When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Thanks for your company on this first day of lockdown. How are you coping? Well, we'll try and keep you company for the next two hours and give you... Everything in sport is not just all COVID-related and lockdown-related. world goes on and we try and bring you some joy as well. But we will start with the top of the show today with what's taking place. The West Coast Eagles and Fremantle Dockers have had meetings this morning. Both clubs will fly to Victoria today. Now, they are anticipating a two-week stay. So at this stage... The West Coast Eagles-Swans game will go ahead in Geelong. The Carlton-Fremantle game at this stage likely also to be in Geelong, but at a venue to be confirmed. That's disappointing for Fremantle because, albeit they wouldn't have likely to have a crowd here or a full crowd at Optus Stadium for the Purple Haze-Starlight Foundation game, which is a significant fundraiser for that charity. They also would have probably started short price favourites to get the four points. Now, that opportunity may have been gifted to the Blues. But, as we saw last weekend, the best of Fremantle is good enough to beat teams like Carlton. All to be confirmed, we are in touch with the football clubs, but I can assure you, The West Coast Eagles and Fremantle football clubs are on the road again. Likely to be a two-week hub. The Queensland teams are leaving Queensland. Queensland has gone into a three-day lockdown. North Melbourne have resumed training after being forced to isolate because of being at the airport before flying to Tasmania. It is an ever-involving world we're living in again, in particular here in Perth right now. And the safe place after months and months of lockdown and heartache and anguish, Victoria looks to be the safe place with the assistance of South Australia. And they've done enough pain and enough heavy lifting and enough moving. So it is good to see that the game will go on. It is a huge sacrifice for any AFL team But as Adam Simpson has repeatedly said, we've had it pretty good this year in WA. So, I want your feedback. That's a huge game changer for both clubs. Although West Coast knew they were going to play Sydney anyway over there, but it's a matter of now their preparation and getting out of town. It is huge for Fremantle because they were absolutely locked in winners against Carlton. I don't care what anyone would have said. They would have beaten Carlton here. And they probably would have put themselves into the top eight. 
Now what happens? If they lose to Carlton, what is the excuse level going to be like? Not from Fremantle, not from the coaching staff, not from the management, but from the fans. How are you coping with that news today? Would you have rather your team stayed here, if possible, and played with no fans, no crowd, adoptus, or gone to Melbourne? So at this stage, I'll go to Melbourne. It likely will be their home ground, home uh, game. So they will get some gate, which will appease some of the loss that they would have endured if they played here with no crowd. Anyway, a lot to be played out. Shane Hill's going to join us early as well. Shane Hill, of course, has a bit to say about Ben Simmons. Josh Fraser, a name synonymous to AFL, Collingwood and Gold Coast. He's the coach of the Northern Bull Ants. They had a win on the weekend, the first in a long time. What's it like to break the drought? We'll speak to Josh Fraser a little later in the show. Hayden Schloeth from South Fremantle will join us. They take on the West Coast Eagles Waffle this week, and I wonder if it's all been played out perfectly for them. I wonder if the Eagles will take virtually their full squad, if that be the case, what's going to happen at the Waffle level. Also, Matt Keenan, carnage is the word we use to describe the SBS coverage last night, if you were watching it, in the stage three of the Tour de France. And Tyson Beatty from Star Spangled Banner, all things American sport. But let's talk basketball. Brian Gorgian is the Boomers coach. and He has spoken this morning about Ben Simmons and his decision not to go to Tokyo. You know, the Ben Simmons thing really is, is uh, you know, a situation where the Boomers, we felt the Boomers are here for him and the culture would be great for him. And uh, we're reaching, we're really kind of reaching out to him because we care about him and we want the best for him. And the way this has worked out is from an NBA standpoint and for his career, it's probably best right now that, you know, he focuses on a skill package area for his next season. But uh, he's made it clear that, um, you know, this thing is something that he wants to be a part of. And um, nobody knew it was going to be end up in the situation it is right now. It's a pretty rough time for him really right now. Um, and and for him, it will, I know it was something that he wanted to do, but the timing just hasn't worked. So, um, uh, you know, the best thing for everybody right now is for, for him to, to go on and, and uh, develop that skill package, improve in a couple areas for his next season in the NBA. But uh, the Boomers are always here for him, and we wanted to know in his time of need that, you know, the culture and the guys here are behind him and support him. You know, I knew when his season ended that there was a decision that he would have to make. It's it's different than earlier in the year, and timing's everything. And Ben was positive about the Boomers, and it was going in a positive direction. And I know it's something that he wanted to do, but I knew when the season ended that there was a decision to be made, and there was a process to go through. And uh, um, the communication has been good all the way through. And we just wanted to let him know from a boomer's standpoint that we support him. And that leadership group has been in touch with him and in, in, in sending the same message. And I know it's something that he wanted to do. So I, I'm not, um, it's onward and upward for the team. And I feel good about 
where the boomers and Ben sit right now. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about our team and I'm happy the way this has been handled. And you know, you wouldn't be nothing more than disappointed about not having him because he's a tremendous player and he would add to our team, but the timing hasn't, hasn't been right. It hasn't worked at this point right now, but I know that in the future, um, you know, there's going to be a time with Ben Simmons and the Boomers. Playing a pretty straight bat there, Brian Gorgian from the Boomers. Not upsetting the apple cart, but clearly wanted Ben Simmons at Tokyo for the Boomers. It's not to be. He has decided to prepare for himself on a skill set to prepare for the next NBA season, which, which whatever franchise Ben Simmons is with. Would have been teammate Pat Mills also had this to say this morning on no Ben Simmons. We all want to see, you know, our best players putting on the on the green and gold. Um, and for me in particular, you know, having that um, that thought even to be able to share the court with with Benny at some stage in the green and gold is um, is something that I'm always going to look forward to. Um, unfortunately, now it's not going to be the time, and and that's okay. I think um, you know what's a strength of our culture and, and of our program that you don't really see from afar um, is is how we support each other within this circle, within this group. Um, and it's probably hard to imagine too because we're all on the other side of the world, but um, the support of, of us as teammates and of us in this tight circle is what makes us different from possibly anywhere else in the world. Um, so that's the number one fact, um, you know, one characteristic of our group is is how we support each other through the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it may be. Um, ben is an, an exception to that. So no matter what his decisions are um, and, and what he does, myself as well as everyone on, on the team and, and in this, this circle will continue to support him now and in the future um, because this this is a safe place um, and I think that's the important message that um, everyone especially back home in Australia needs to know and needs to understand that now more than ever we, we all need to support Ben um, throughout his journey. This place right here and, and the program that we have developed and, and how strong our culture is this is one place for him that is always going to be here with open arms um, because we're, you know, we're, we're mates, we're teammates, we're, we're a brotherhood here. And to be able to represent you know, the green and gold, that's the, the culture that we have. Um, and I think that goes for the, the rest of the um, population and, and, and fans throughout our country, right? That's what makes um, the Aussie spirit. The Aussie spirit is the support that we have for, for one another. A measured response from Ben about Ben Simmons from Paddy Mills, of course. So there is the coach, Brian Gorgian, and Paddy Mills, the star guard. And he would have loved to have been there in Tokyo, but Ben Simmons, if you've woken up this morning, will not be going. No real surprise. Shane Hill's going to join us after 11 o'clock. Shane has a bit to say about it. I think he's pretty much in the Ben Simmons camp as well, but he has some advice for Ben Simmons and some coaching advice as well. We're going to get a breakaway. We're going to come back and we're going to hear from... Josh Fraser. Josh Fraser is the coach of the Northern Bull Ants in the VFL. Now, this was a club that was on the verge of extinction in the VFL. They then stood alone. And on the weekend, they won their first game in about 
18 months. It was a emotional time. Josh Fraser, former Collingwood and Gold Coast son, Ruckman star player, now coach of the Northern Bullants, will join us next. This is your Tuesday edition of the Sporting Goss on SEN around WA, 14 past 10. Sounds like this! <laughs> tail out of that it doesn't really matter but the theme was right and it certainly was a great emotion on the weekend northern bull ants winning their first game uh, first vfl win a standalone club right now in the vfl and their coach josh fraser has been kind enough to join us josh how did that sound um we need a bit of work on the song tim um <laughs> yeah i'm just thankful <laughs> thankful we got the opportunity to sing it um look i think we've been building towards it for you know, five or six weeks. I've been really impressed with the way our players have gone about it. We haven't got the results in way of a win yet. Of course, the weekend changed that, but um, we've been building towards it and um, really pleased for our playing group and everyone connected to the footy club that they get to enjoy a win. Yeah, Josh Fraser, our guest, coach of the Northern Bull Ants from the VFL, over 32-point win over Carlton on the weekend and uh, everything went a little bit viral on social medias with the result coming off the ground. Um, with time to reflect on it, you must be very proud of your involvement, but the hard work done behind the scenes because this is a football club that could have just faded away. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Tim. I think, you know, probably the weekend was maybe the first time I've actually stopped and reflected a little bit on the journey that the club's been on. And, you know, over 12 months ago, uh, the club was basically on its knees. And um, when that alignment ended fairly abruptly, um, it was only... You know, half a dozen people that decided that it was a cause worth fighting for. And when you've got a footy club with close to 140 years of history, you want to try and maintain that. And, um, you know, there was enough really good people involved to, to ensure that happened. And, you know, we understand clearly where we're at. We're a, a very young football club. Our, our playing list is the youngest in the competition by a long way and we're by far the least experienced. So we, we understand the challenges that that presents. But... The priority was to see the football club survive and um, you know, continue to build a football program that in time can be really competitive. And um, you're right, I sit back on the weekend and having our first win, again, as a standalone footy club, I was really proud and um, just, again, so happy for everyone that's been connected to the club, not only now, but um, in years gone by as well, to see that, um, that famous red and white jumper running around a press that again was a, was a great day. We have it in the Waffle and we have it in the VFL and they have it in the Sandful and other competitions as well. What VFL stroke AFL experienced players do you have in your group? How, who do you, who could you lure? Because it's all very well to say you've got a young team and I get that and it wasn't all about probably winning. It was all about building and maybe you know getting the culture organised and, and looking about what you could do in the next couple of years. But a win's a win and it certainly does sort of fill the tank a little bit. What were some of the names of players that you've got on your list that we may know that may have played at another level or have you really gone grassroots? Well, we, we really went grassroots. I mean, the one that's notable is Paul Ahern. I mean, Paul's a 
highly talented player. He's come from the GWS Giants in North Melbourne, and he was the one that we were able to lure. But I guess by virtue of us getting our licence quite late, we didn't have the luxury of, of planning like every other club. We weren't entirely sure if we were going to be granted a licence or not. So I guess we accepted the fact that we were going to have to go down a development path and, and really invest in a lot of younger players. And, um, you know, we certainly approached different guys that have come off AFL lists and they maybe couldn't quite see the, the future at the Northern Bullions, which is fair enough because I guess we were selling hope at that stage more than anything else. Um, and to someone like Paul's credit, he he saw the, the appeal of, you know, being a part of something from the ground up and um, we're hoping we can attract some more mature players moving forward. But again, our focus has really been on that younger core and um, I think, you know, most weeks we've played between you know, 10 and 12 guys who have had less than 10 games of VFL experience. So they're quite raw, but that in itself is a rewarding experience. And I think if we can keep a core group together and, and build forward, then the club's going to be in good shape. You probably don't want to give too much of your game plan away, but was there any mention of being dumped from the alignment by Carlton in the pregame? It's funny. I've had that question a little bit. Um, the players that were connected to the previous alignment were aware of it. We didn't speak about it as a coaching group. Um, we just spoke about where we need to keep getting better as a footy club. And we probably played our best quarter of footy the week before against Frankston and we came up short. So we tried to harness that good stuff. Um, we've challenged our players pretty hard. So as I said, I felt like that performance was building. And then I guess when you finally get a result, the sense of occasion being against Carlton probably sits in a little bit more. But um, I mean, in the end, they've made their decision to to cut us off and we fought really hard to keep the club alive and I know there was a sense of irony in the end that our first win came against them. Who are the supporters? You talked about coming off the ground and I, and I watched the vision of you coming off the ground and you were fairly subdued. I think you were the players, you know, I've seen the vision of them walking down the race, a good old-fashioned race and they're all up and about. You looked a little bit more subdued. It looked like you were soaking it up and seeing the fans up in the stands and the like. Who are your supporter base? Well, we're we're a really big community club, uh, Tim, in a lot of respects. And as I mentioned before, Preston Footy Club's got a history that stems back 140 years. So um, there's people that were connected to the old Preston Boyants in the VFA days. Um, There's people that, ironically, are Carlton supporters who saw the Northern Blues alignment and um, felt enough connection to the Boyants to support us still. We've tried really hard to reinvest and connect with the community, and I think we're starting to make some inroads there. So we've had a lot of people who have come down and, and just out of interest um, really started to support the footy club. Um, so it's it's far far reaching and, and wide ranging. We've got members in all parts of the country, which is extraordinary, um, and we've been overwhelmed really by the amount of people that over the years have been connected to the club. They've had family. They've had people involved that have reached out and, and wanted to support this push to make sure the club's viable for another 140 years. So it's been overwhelming, but we are very much a community-focused footy club. And you're right, I guess, coming off the ground on Sunday, for me, it was just taking a moment to see the joy in so many people's faces, um, to see our players experience a result and for them to understand what it takes to, to win games of footy. Um, but most importantly, just to see what it meant to so many other people. VFL coach Josh Fraser, our guest on Sporting Goss here on SENWA after the Northern Bullants uh, won their first game in a while. Did you allow the players to go and enjoy it and do they butter up again this week? I mean, what are you expecting? 
Well, yeah, they have to enjoy it. I think it's really important, again, given where we've come from in our journey, they, they had that opportunity to enjoy that win. Um, we got together Sunday night. It wasn't anything over the top, but it was important. We just enjoyed each other's company, and um, we had a short turnaround, so we played the Tigers on Saturday. So the boys um, the boys have pretty much switched across to reproducing that type of footy. Um, our process as coaches doesn't change too much. We want them to continue to harness the good stuff and there's still certainly areas of our game we want to work at um, but that is our next challenge now to you know we've learned how to win a game of footy we now know what it takes and how to produce that consistently over four quarters but our next challenge is to handle winning and making sure we can reproduce us and that's a big test for a young group but we are looking forward to um, testing ourselves against Richmond who have probably been the yardstick of the competition for three to five years so Great test for our boys, and we're looking forward to getting back to Preston on Saturday. Any boys uh, on your list? You talked about Paul Hearn, who's been in the AFL system, but any youngsters uh, or even sort of middle-aged uh, rookies who you think could go next level if they continue on this pathway? Oh, look, there's a few, and I guess in line with them being so young and inexperienced, you can probably jump the gun a little bit um, by putting too many names forward. I, been really impressed with a couple of our young defenders. One, one in particular, a kid by the name of Mutaz El Noor. Um, he's come out of the Western Jets program, but he's a um, really exciting young prospect. But he's only played the three VFL games, so um, we'd like to see a little bit more footy from him. Um, we've got some young, small forwards who are building their craft. Um, and look, I hope by the end of the year, Tim, we can look back and see a really strong body of work from you know a number of players who potentially might be able to make that next step but at the moment they're all just trying to understand what VFL footy's like and state league footy and I know you'd appreciate this that most of them are on the tools all day, um, some are at uni some are working at desks um, they're not full time athletes and um, they're making those sort of adjustments in their own lives but they're doing a, a terrific job, um, been really proud of the way they've attacked um, this season and they've connected with each other and uh, we're hoping for, for better things to come in the back end of the year for them. Now on Sporting Goss, it's time for Useless AFL Stats. The light relief on this Tuesday has been heavy so far with all the COVID dramas and Eagles flying out and the latest on the Dockers, Ben Simmons not going, dramas at the Tour de France. So let's lighten it up with our regular Tuesday segment with Aaron Delaport and the team at Useless AFL Stats. And you can follow them on Facebook. Della, appreciate your time. Let's get straight into it. It is a very big episode today. So big is the Richmond St Kilda, we've decided to break it into two parts. Tell us more. Yeah, well, it was a huge weekend of uh, useless stats and the Richmond and St Kilda game was definitely one of the highlights. So we'll start with St Kilda and their stats. Uh, Saints player Nick Coffield became the first named sub to become subbed off in AFL history. Of course, Coffield was scheduled to be sitting on the bench, but he got the late call up on the field when Jack Billings hurt his knee in the warm-up. And unfortunately for Coffield, he did his hamstring in the third quarter to get subbed off and uh, earn this rare first in AFL. The Saints also became the 14th team to lose to the current Wooden Spooners and then beat the reigning Premiers Mm. in successive rounds. Whilst their 126-point turnaround, having been beaten by Richmond by 86 points earlier in the year, raised a few questions our way, but it is far from the record. This belongs to Adelaide, 
who in 1992 lost to Geelong in round eight by 123 points and then defeated them by 91 in round 23. An amazing 214-point differential. Yes, it was a very, very big turnaround by the Saints. Good stat, useless. Nice work. Part two, the Tigers and the Saints. Yeah, so on to the Richmond uh, stats. And as the reigning premiers, Richmond's score of 210-22 is the lowest score by a defending champion since Richmond scored just 2719 against Collingwood way back in round four, 1960. Overall, it's the fifth lowest score by Iranian Premier with Essendon holding the record, scoring one goal less, 110-16 in round 12, 1902 against Carlton after winning the 1901 flag. Richmond's 23 free kicks, one more than their total score, um, has been done many times, so teams scoring uh, less than their free kick tally. Fremantle most recently did this in 2020, scoring 2-4-16 while receiving... 19 free kicks against Geelong, but the record for this stat is truly staggering. In round 16-1971, South Melbourne scored 3-15-33, but received 72 free kicks in an era where the whistle was blown with alarming regularity. The 39 free kick to score differential is a record that surely will never be broken. Wow. What about Samson Ryan? He was a young man and made his debut. He figures are in the useless AFL stats from that game as well. Yeah, so Samson Ryan became the tallest ever Tiger to grace an AFL field at a towering 206 centimetres. However, unfortunately, he had a debut to forget. His first contest saw him concede a free kick, whilst at his second contest, he had the absolute stuffing knocked out of him and he struggled through the rest of the game, recording just a solitary hit out for an AFL fantasy score of minus two. Uh, That prompted a lot of queries to us, but... Surprisingly, this ranks him as just the equal 18th lowest fantasy score on debut. The record for the lowest is held by St Kilda's Jackson Ferguson, who in his only game had three handballs and conceded four free kicks before his coach Scott Waters subbed him out and later delisted him. Let's hope young Samson has a better (laughs) fate and can get another crack at it. I'm sure he will. (laughs) Our favourite stat from the weekend... Mm -hmm was uh, that Dustin Martin became the first player ever to grace a football field, having won more Norm Smith medals than his team kicked goals during the game. <laughs> of course, Dusty's got the three. Uh, he trumped Richmond's two goals, and he actually kicked one himself. Uh, on our Facebook page, this stat has over 9,000 reactions and half a million views. Sometimes, Tim, it's the simpler <laughs> stat, the more amusing. It does. Every stat you come up with is amusing, but that is fantastic. Three three Norm Smiths for Dusty, just two goals on the weekend. That is a useless AFL stat. All right, well, it's all a bit crazy the way that the COVID world is looking, but let's have a look at a, an AFL countdown for the weekend. Yeah, so the margins of the four AFL games played on Saturday produced an amazing result. With Fremantle winning by 12 over Collingwood, North Melbourne by 9 over the Gold Coast, Suns, Port Adelaide by 10 over Sydney, and the night game saw Melbourne defeat Essendon by 11. So if we rearrange those margins from lowest to highest, we see them being recorded as 9, 10, 11 and 12. And this is just the second time ever in AFL history we've had four games in sequential margin order on the same day. The only other time this occurred was in round 19, 1974, where Collingwood won by 23, Footscray by 24, 
both Hawthorne and Richmond by 25 and South Melbourne, as I know, back then by 26. Mm. Bailey Dale likes to bounce the ball, and I know he's figuring this prominently this week in useless AFL stats. Yeah, so the Bulldogs defender, Bailey Dale, went within one running bounce of setting what would have been a very unique useless stat. Dale had six consecutive running bounces in the last quarter for the Bulldogs when he ran out of defence before he was corralled on the far wing by (laughs) Andrew Gaff and he was forced to handle backwards. Had Dale have managed a seventh bounce, he would have joined just three other known efforts by players. They were Michael Mitchell, Mick McGuan and Brent Harvey. McGuan and Mitchell both won goal a year for their efforts in 1994 and 1990 respectively. And Harvey has been credited yes. with the behind of the century for his seven-bounce effort in round three, 2010, against West Coast. So had Dale completed the seventh bounce, he would have been the only player <laughs> to ever do so without kicking a score. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Very good stuff by the team at Useless AFL Stats. Aaron Dalaport, what about a triple-double to finish? Yeah, so with the NBL Finals having wrapped up and the NBA finals in full swing, the AFL stats team took a deep dive into AFL triple doubles. The AFL equivalent being a player who can record double-digit stats in three or more of the basic categories of kicks, handballs, marks, tackles and goals. And we found some uh, very useless stats. So just two players have recorded four consecutive games of triple doubles. They are Tom Rockcliffe and Bo Waters. Whilst only six players have recorded the rare quadruple doubles, so that's 10 kicks, 10 handballs, 10 marks and 10 tackles. Those being Scott Thompson, Joel Selwood, Brent Stanton, Ben McGlynn, Tom Rockcliffe and Corey Enright. And just Joel Selwood is the only one to have picked up three Brownlow votes. Quite, quite amazing, that. But the triple double of 10 handballs, 10 marks and 10 tackles, but less than 10 kicks has never been recorded. Similarly, 10 kicks, 10 marks and 10 tackles, but less than 10 handballs is extremely rare. In fact, it only happened once in AFL history, and that was by Jimmy Bartell. Until the last few weeks, Tim Taranto did it for GWS in round 14, and then Dane Zorko did it again on Thursday against Geelong. Both had very similar stat lines with just the six handballs, but they both had 18 kicks and 12 tackles. Taranto had 11 marks and Zorko 10. Ah, brilliant. Brilliant. The world's gone crazy, but not so the team at Useless AFL Stats. You can follow them on Facebook today. Some hardcore work done by the group. And uh, you'll be happy to take any people who follow you on Facebook. Any uh, You do answer, I know, and you do also lean on some other great stat getters as well to come up with your Useless AFL Stats. Appreciate your time. As always, Della, we'll do it again next week. No worries, Tim. Enjoy lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sad. I'll love it. Aaron Delaport, useless AFL stats. Game five of the Western Conference playoffs, 71 Clippers, 67 Phoenix. Phoenix go into it with a 3-1 lead win today and they advance. So that is, I'll keep you updated right there. And then if you don't want to know the score too bad, I've given it to you. Round 16 travel update from the AFL, and I read this verbatim. The AFL wishes to advise the Brisbane Lions, Fremantle, Gold Coast Suns and West Coast Eagles will travel to Victoria this afternoon via charter flights ahead of round 16. AFL Chief Executive Manager of Clubs and Broadcasting, Travis Old, said the decision to bring clubs to Victoria has been made to best manage the evolving situation across the country. 
quote, we will continue to remain adaptable as the season progresses in a constantly changing environment. With COVID-19 continues to impact the community, we'll work closely with state governments, health officials, our clubs and players to ensure the best possible outcome for everyone in the game. The four teams travelling today will fly to Victoria via charter flights and will be COVID tested on arrival and they will isolate until they receive a negative result. The AFL will provide further updates relating to the fixture for round 16 once those arrangements are finalised. So the Eagles and Dockers fly out at 1 o'clock today. Uh, we're uh, trying to get to the bottom of how big their squads will be and what that means for Peel Thunder and also the Eagles waffle team in the WAFL. We did put it out on Twitter also. A uh, question for all of you to answer. West Coast Eagles and the Dockers are flying today. How are you feeling? What does it mean for your confidence levels this week going into the games? You can also give us a call, 13 12 55, on the uh, Twitter. Um, Ian says, good on you, Ian, says, give us a game at the MCG. Michael says, well, not ideal. It's also a great opportunity. The more experienced Frio get playing on the road and winning, the better for our development and future. Good on you, Michael. That's a good attitude. Loza says, do they get any freedom or are they under quarantine? Well, as I said there just a moment ago, uh, Loza, it is all about getting tested and being negative. And Jacinta wants to know whether they're on the same flight. Uh, yes, Fremantle are playing the better football, so they'll be up the front and the Eagles will be down the back until they lift their game. We'll get a breakaway. We'll come back. Sporting Goss. Give us a call, 13 12 55, or text away 0487 736 If anything's happening, we'll keep you posted. Stay safe. Less rants. Everyone calm. Everyone cool their jets. We'll get through this together. Hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Let's not panic, everybody. It's 13 to 11. Talking Waffle on Sporting Goss on this Tuesday morning, and we do so with South Fremantle's Hayden Sloyth. The Bulldogs back in a bit of form after the weekend. He joins us now. That was a bit better on the weekend. Yeah, much better, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah, we've been uh, up and down like a yo-yo most of the year, and... um, we know our best is pretty good, but um, yeah, we've been a little too far and consistent this year. But um, yeah, it was definitely uh, closer to a uh, four-quarter performance on the weekend, which was pleasing. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you can go through those slumps and when other teams, and we've seen Subiaco have lost their last two, Claremont got beat on the weekend. In fact, no one's on a, on a winning streak, so to speak. In fact, the teams that are on winning streaks are probably down the bottom in East Perth and West Perth. It goes to show you don't really lose your spot and you're trying to get as high up in the top five as you can. No, you're exactly right. Um, it's probably a good thing for the waffle. Um, doesn't matter where you're sitting on the ladder. If you don't come um, with your best um, sort of game, you're going to get beaten by anyone. Uh, and we've seen that over the case the last few weekends. So, um, yeah, as, as bad as sort of we have been playing and um, up and down, um, to only sort of be one spot off top spot um, is pretty exciting. So, yeah, hopefully um, from what we had on the weekend, we can continue to build on that for the rest of the year. What did you do better last weekend than you'd been doing in the previous couple of weeks? I know you were coming off the bye and a bit of a break, but what did you do better as a team in regards to preparation possibly and also execution? Yeah, probably looking back at the East Perth game, we just had no real urgency in our play, no energy or effort, and um, that was probably the most disappointing thing. Um, So, yeah, we had a couple of good uh, weeks on the track, and um, yeah, we sort of just come out with a bit of um, bit of hunger and um, a bit of something that we wanted to play um, for the jumper um, was probably the most pleasing thing. And we probably had close to 22 contributors and um, that's sort of what we'd been lacking over the last um, few weeks, I'd say. It certainly worked for you. Hayden Sloyth, our guest from South Fremantle. 
So then we go into the fixture, and you do play one of the form teams in the comp, a team that's come off with some pretty good form, uh, of course, and we're talking of the West Coast Eagles waffle lineup, who have a number of of their better players back because of the health of their AFL list. But with the ever-involving developments of COVID and lockdowns and moving out, they may be taking a fairly big squad to Victoria. So uh, pending their future, that might play into your hands. But uh, at this stage, you'd probably be focusing on playing the best available talent. And if their best available is available, it's going to be a tough slog for you. Yeah, exactly right. Um we played them probably a month ago now and they're uh, showing some really good signs. And like you said, they've um, started to get a few of their better players back at senior level, which um, obviously a few come out. And, um, yeah, they're playing some really good footy. They've beaten um, Subi last week and then um, had another good win on the weekend. So, um, yeah, we'll be pre- preparing for their um, their best, um, whatever happens with the COVID and stuff and potential People going away, um, we can't really plan for that. Um, but, yeah, we'll be definitely planning for um, their best, that's for sure. South Fremantle taking on West Coast. 210 at Fremantle Community Bank over. What about your own form, Sloethy? How's it? How are you travelling? Uh, yeah, the last uh, the m- last month or so has been a bit quieter. started to um, cop a little bit more attention. Um, but it is what it is, mate. That's, uh, that's footy, isn't it? So um, as long as I'm sort of playing my role um, within the team and helping us win games of footy, then, um, yeah, then I'm pretty happy. Still racking up the free kicks, I noticed. You got four on the weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's, it seems to be the only way I'm getting a kick at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no. Nah. Uh, I suppose that's what happens when you get uh, a little bit of attention around the stoppages. You, you tend to get a, um, a few free kicks go your way, which is, which is nice. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time today. It is a big game on Saturday. Whoever you come up against, well, we know you're coming up against the Eagles, but whoever they dish up, I know South Fremantle, certainly if they can produce what they did against the Demons, they're going to be very hard to beat and going forward. We always appreciate your time on SENWA, on Sporting Goss, and all the very best this weekend and going forward. We'll chat again soon. No worries. Cheers, Goss. Good on you, mate. There's Hayden Sloyd, outstanding player, and we've said that every time we interview this young man, and he should be on the AFL list somewhere. He's too good a player not to be. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Still talking plenty of footy here on the Sporting Goss. We may delay that break and stay with the show. 11 o'clock news at the top of the hour. And then the Premier, Mark McGowan, is anticipating to be doing a press conference out of the 11 o'clock news. And as we know, they don't always go smack on time, but we will keep you posted and we'll go live to that to give you an update on what's taking place. Currently 16.1 degrees if you're listening on SEN Spirit 621 and all the SENWA app or wherever you are. Thank you for listening to our show Sporting Goss. Uh, this morning on Waitley, Kane Corns in the Waitley chair spoke to Justin Lepich, very smart man, Lepper. Had a lot to say about a range of issues. I'd be surprised if he comes back into the football system in a major role in the time ahead. He had this to say about where the West Coast Eagles are at. This is Justin Lepich on Waitley with Kane Corns this morning. Look, one thing for me, um, what what West Coast are doing, I'm worried about their defensive 50. One thing we know about their elite uh, intercept position guys, their, their work in the years, obviously brilliant, but just in their defensive 50, their ground ball ability, um, they're minus 46. They're the only team in the competition that has a negative number 
of contestant ground balls in their defensive 50. Mm. So that, to me, is a concern. So the second last is GWS with plus 10. So what normally happens in your defensive 50, you always have tend to have a spare, don't you? You always tend to protect your defense first. Yep. So often the, if you're doing well as a forward line group if you lose that number by minus two in a game. you actually done pretty well. So, um, But they're getting smashed in their own defensive 50, which is a real concern to me at, at ground level. So I'm not sure... You know, because you think about it, we saw a game with Port Adelaide a few years ago where they just dribbled it along mm. the ground in mm. there because they were just so worried. Well, obviously they've got this elite strength in the air, but then it, on the flip side, it's just so poor down the other end. I, I don't know if they've got the personnel to fix it or how they want to change it. Do they put more spares behind the footy? But that number there to me is just a worry for them, you know, because it gives up too many easy scores and it did on the weekend. That is Justin Lepich. Uh, Roy, regular listener to SCNWA, says he's working outside Gate 1 at Marvel, starting with his Eagles beanie on and his proudest punch. Welcome to Victoria Eagles, boys. Three-quarter time in the NBA playoff. It is game five and a little bit to do for Phoenix. They need to win to advance. And, of course, we do know that the Clippers need to win to stay in the game. They came into it 3-1 in favour of Phoenix. Now, of course, just repeating, after 11 o'clock, we will be taking... Fingers crossed, the press conference from Mark McGowan and giving you a COVID update here in Western Australia. Matt Keenan will talk all things cycling. Of course, a heavy carnage, crashing and bashing stage three of the Tour de France. Tyson Beattie will join us with Star Spangled Banter as well. We had chatted with Braden Becker, a young professional golfer, had a win or part of a win. He was a part of a three-way tie up at Broome on the weekend. We spoke to him yesterday. We will try and get that to air in the next hour as well. Thanks for your company, SEN Spirit 621 through the southwest and also on SENWA. Wherever you're listening to our show, you can download it too on the podcast. This is Sporting Goss. Three past 11. Thanks, Judd. Thank you to the SEN News team. We will be going to the live stream of Premier Mark McCowan, who is due to speak shortly with a COVID update. But let's get a Euro 2020 update with our man Special K. Good morning. Hello, guys. Chaos out there. Madness, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but we're good. Look at us. We're just like the ducks. We just float along the surface and everyone can't see what's going on under there. That's right. Alex doing a great job pushing the buttons. You're doing a great job out there. Joe's over there. I'm here. We don't get any better. Is anyone else? It's cool. Maybe a silence out there. <laughs> yeah. Ninety-three, eighty-one. The Clippers over Phoenix. Game five in the Western Conference Finals. What do you got for us in regards to the round ball game? Crazy last night. night last night at the Euros. Absolutely crazy. Uh, I think our predictions are at fifty percent. Alex and mine from Friday. Who went Thursday. for? Who went for France? Both of us. How are they going over Switzerland? They're gone. Gornski. Okay. Are the French. What happened? On penalties. Well, I think we've got a bit of audio. This is how it ended. Xhaka. Devonovic. Would you believe it? Switzerland will not be denied. <laughs> Ten seconds of normal time remaining. How much more can this game produce? We've had it all in the second half. Sudden death. Five out of five for Switzerland. This to keep France in the European Championship. Can't Mbappe deliver. He's denied by Soma. And Switzerland have done it. 
against all the odds. Yeah, that young superstar Kylian Mbappe, the hero of the World Cup, mm -hmm. he missed the deciding. When you say miss, what did he do? Did he kick it into the goalkeeper? It was saved, yeah. A, a great save. Oh, okay, that's a great save. So he didn't kick it over the net or kick it into the... Didn't sky it, no. no okay, well. But... That's good stuff to the goalie. Yeah, well goalie done. Credit. So the Swiss threw 5-4 on penalties after their last 16 tie, as we mentioned, had ended in a thrilling 3-all draw. Absolutely uh, crazy there in that game. So, yeah, 3 all Switzerland are through now to the next stage, uh, which is going to be very interesting as well. Switzerland will take on Spain. Oh. Yes, and Spain won against Croatia in extra time last night. So okay. both games going the distance last night. The Spain-Croatia game, arguably even more entertaining than the France-Switzerland game. We saw Spain go up 3-1, and then the final few minutes, basically, Croatia were able to come back and equalise, make it 3-all and send it to extra time. It was, it was absolute chaos, uh, as it is here in Perth, uh, but on a different, different kind of uh, form of chaos, I guess. Extra time, Croatia started pretty well in extra time as well. A lot of people were thinking they could get the job done, but the Spanish, uh, just a couple of moments of, um, of brilliance, I guess, just sent them through. Uh, although at the start of the game, there was one of the, we've seen a few cracking uh, own goals at this tournament, yes. this Euro 2020s. Yes, we've seen some there was one, if you can check it out, a pass back to the goalkeeper, the Spanish goalkeeper from oh, between the box and the halfway line. Mm. Uh, not the most difficult of passes, but had a bit of pace on it. The goalkeeper, he's looking up. He's thinking about his next move. He's not concentrating on getting his body behind the ball and, and controlling it. Whoops, Daisy's slipped under his foot, finds its way into the back of the net. 1-0. What? Croatia to kick things off. And, yeah, so Spain didn't get off to the best start. They didn't finish it particularly well either in regular time, but they managed to make it through to the next round. And, uh, yeah, as I said, they're going to be taking on Switzerland in the quarterfinals. Belgium, Italy in the other quarterfinal, Czech Republic and Denmark as well. But all eyes on tonight, Goss, England and yes. Germany. What, what time is it? It's in the morning, isn't it? Midnight. Oh. I always done that. Midnight special. I might have a little nap beforehand. Yeah. Wake up, do the... Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Do the midnight wake up, set the alarm. Alexa, set alarm for midnight. Bang, I'm up. Chuck on Optus Sport. And, uh, yeah, take a look at that one. England, oh, they're a real chance because Germany aren't at their best. Alex is telling us it's on at 2 a.m. in Melbourne. Alex, we don't care. Uh, who, How's that sound? Who cares, Alex? No one cares, Alex. No one cares SCNWA, about mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sweden, Ukraine, the other game on at 3 a.m. New South Wales has reported another 19 cases of COVID on Tuesday in the 24 hours uh, to 8 p.m. on Monday. Two of them are currently unlinked, while the other 17 are connected to the eastern suburbs outbreak. It brings the total number of infections to the Bondi cluster to 141. The Greater Sydney, Wollongong, Central Coast, Blue Mountains entered a two-week lockdown from 6 o'clock on the 26th. And Gladys is still talking. That means Mark McGowan can't talk because I think the Seven Network would like to have both on. Come on, Gladys. Come on, Gladys. You, buddy, you made this bloody abomination. No, she didn't. She didn't. <laughs> Responsible for COVID and breaking. <laughs> did you see what they did at the tennis? They applauded the lady who made the vaccine. I did see that. Yes. But we can get that audio, I reckon. I'll we'll go grab it audio. for you. So yep. they, 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 she was sitting in the, the box at the tennis at Wimbledon. Standing and they o. standing ovation for the lovely lady who yeah. um, 
was one of the brainchilds behind the uh, vaccine. Yeah. Uh, we will go Beautiful. to a break. I think we'll get a break out because I don't think Mark's going to start anytime soon. Uh, we'll get a break away right now because we're going to have to uh, do it eventually. It's eight past 11. We'll go to Mark McGowan's press conference when it starts as soon as we can. This is the Sporting Goss. Welcome back to the Sporting Goss. Gossage with you. Adam Simpson spoke last night in regards to the West Coast Eagles' loss to the Bulldogs. He spoke on AFL 360. I suppose the most disappointing thing about us yesterday is you, you, you just don't want to get beaten by what you know. And we, we know the Bulldogs, their real strength is around the contest and work rate. And we thought we started poorly in both. And we're very lucky to be in the game a quarter time because they missed so many shots. And we spent so much time trying to get out of our back half. So we hung in there for a couple of quarters and I, I did feel like there was a bit of a momentum shift at some stage halfway through the third, but we didn't take opportunities. And then the last quarter, um, I think once they kicked their first one, they then kicked five in a row after it. So that, it really blew out after that. But no, we, we were quite disappointed the way we played, Robert. Good teams, good teams have a, a pretty consistent effort level. And we've seen it from you guys in recent weeks. Really proud, I think. You would have been really proud with the way your team performed. And, and then you have that effort, that effort on the weekend where you question the, the effort around the contest. Is it, is it fair to say you guys aren't a good team at the moment? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, I suppose we've got to own it. So, um, one thing I do know, the Bulldogs are a very good side and we're not at their level at the moment. Um, we think our best footy can compete. We're just not doing it consistent enough. Um, albeit, I think we've made some gains in the last four or five weeks around the contest and you know trying to play the game on our terms we just on the weekend we started poorly finished poorly and what was you know josh kennedy's 250th game which was a special milestone for him and the club so yeah look we we need to own where we're at we're seventh on the ladder um We'll leave Mark. Uh, we'll leave uh, Adam Simpson there, the second most important person in Western Australia. <laughs> Head to the Premier Mark McGowan live. A full list of who is designated an essential worker is up on the WA government website. Just with regards to the West Australian Police, police have done an exemplary job setting up the checkpoints to enforce the boundaries between the Perth and Peel regions and the rest of the state at such short notice. Eight checkpoints have been established. Overnight, police stopped 555 vehicles, and of those, 38 were turned around. I can also advise that nearly 10,000 calls were taken on the 13 COVID hotline. I'd also like to say thanks to everyone that's involved with that operation, providing essential information to the community. Our contact tracing teams in health have scaled up also supported by WA Police. We've recalled 120 police recruits from training to help over the lockdown period to assist with various policing duties. Lockdowns aren't easy. They take a lot of work from government, business and the community. And just to repeat, everyone has my thanks for doing the right thing so quickly. Last night, we announced case 1024, the man in his 30s who had a meal at the Indian Ocean Brewing Company in Mindari. Overnight, there have been no new cases of COVID-19 detected. Just to repeat, since the case announced last night, there have been zero new cases of COVID-19 in WA today until 11am. 
This is very encouraging news, but we have a long way to go. 14,771 tests were conducted yesterday, a fantastic number, and we want to see more today. Testing is so important to not only finding the virus in the community, but giving us and the health officials the confidence to safely ease restrictions when the time comes. I understand the wait is frustrating, but I recommend checking the full list of testing locations online. With regards to close and casual contacts of the three positive cases, I can advise that as of 9pm last night, 209 close contacts have been identified and contacted. 109 have returned a negative test result so far. With regards to casual contacts, 1,828 have been identified and 275 have so far returned negative test results. I should advise, however, we expect the numbers of close and casual contacts to continue to rise as more are, more are identified and additional exposure locations are added, especially given case 1,024 was only confirmed last night. I would like to remind all Western Australians to keep checking exposure locations online as they are regularly updated, as well as the importance of checking in on the SAFE WA app whenever you go to a retail or other outlet. This is an incredibly concerning time around the nation at the moment. We've seen concerning numbers in New South Wales and the announcement of a lockdown in South East Queensland. Not since the early days of the pandemic last year has so much of the country been subject to restrictions. I can advise that based on health advice, as of 3pm this afternoon, the hard border will return with Queensland. This means they will be reclassified as a medium risk jurisdiction under WA's controlled border. Like New South Wales, travellers from Queensland will require an exemption to come to WA and self-quarantine at a suitable premise for 14 days and be tested. Returning West Australians are classified as exempt travellers under compassionate grounds who will need to complete 14 days of self-quarantine and appropriate COVID testing. These are challenging days for the country. This, the Delta variant is testing our systems and our community like never before. I have faith, however, that we will crush this outbreak, save lives and jobs and get things back to normal very quickly. But like I said yesterday, lockdowns and restri restrictions are not a long-term solution. Vaccination is. We need every Western Australian to get vaccinated when it's their turn. And I note that getting vaccinated is a legitimate reason to leave your home. Please keep your appointment. Vaccination is our way out of this. Just finally, I'd also like to make a further appeal to the West Australian community. Red Cross's blood donation centres still need donations. It's important to remember blood donor centres are still open. And blood and plasma donation is one of the reasons you're allowed to leave the home. If you're healthy, please consider donating. And if you have an appointment already, do not cancel it. Please keep it. Just because we're in lockdown, it doesn't mean the need for blood goes away. To book your donation, visit lifeblood.com.au. Lockdowns can be frustrating. It often goes against our nature to sit at home and feel like you're not doing something. One of the best ways to fight that feeling and do something that feels tangible is to donate blood. I'll now hand over to the Health Minister. 
We'll leave that there. We'll leave the Premier and the Health Minister, the Premier, cut it off. No uh, further cases still in lockdown. Now, we can confirm the Fremantle Football Club and West Coast Eagles fly out at 1 o'clock today. They are anticipating of being away for two weeks. That could change, of course. So the Carlton-Fremantle game definitely be staged in Melbourne, more than likely at GMHBA Stadium, the same venue for the Eagles versus Sydney. So they are definitely on the same plane. We are also told that Fremantle will be taking all but five players from their squad. And the Eagles will also probably take a boosted squad as well. Again, all to be confirmed. 22 after 11, a bit of a crazy world we're in, but hang in there. We'll get there. Don't worry about that. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are angry and have businesses and are missing important uh, times. We get it. We understand it. We respect it. But it's not going to get you anywhere by getting super angry as much as you are frustrated. Just get through it. Hang in there and uh, seek uh, counsel with uh, those who can possibly talk with you and talk through the situation. It's 23 past 11. Time to talk cycling now. Welcome back to the Sporting Goss. Well, one man who always gives us his time is SBS cycling commentator and expert Matt Keenan. And he would have sat up through uh, stage three with a difference on the Tour de France. Matt, as we welcome you, give me one word to describe stage three. Carnage. That is the word I had written down right in front of me. <laughs> Great minds. Matt, tell us what happened to a couple of key Aussies. Uh, so we had Jack Haig, who was sitting in sixth position overall, and with about six or seven kilometres to go, he got taken out in a crash, really heavy fall. Jack broke his collarbone taken off in an ambulance, unable to finish the stage. Simon Clark was also involved in that crash, picked himself up, made it to the finish line. This to go. Caleb Ewan was about to pound. He touched the wheel of the rider in front of him. He crashed as well, took a heap of bark off his back, mm. broke his collarbone also, and he won't be starting the next stage. Yeah, it looked very, very nasty. Some of the pictures, the live pictures we saw on SBS and some of the still shots we've seen too. I mean, really, those uh, the, their, uh, bike, uh, their, their bike outfits and their, their, their shoulders, their backs. I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. And certainly we're on the green whistle when they were being loaded into ambulances. A couple of other key riders in the race also came a-crashing down, didn't they? Peter Sagan, uh, Roglic went down, Garrett Thomas also. So, so it's, they didn't miss anyone. No, Tade Pogacar, who won the race last year, he got caught up in a fall, lost a couple of seconds as well. You're right, they didn't miss many at all. And in fact, a lot of the riders weren't too happy with the race organisation, with how dangerous the last eight kilometres were in particular. Caleb's crash was a normal racing incident. The one with Garant Thomas, likewise. That there was a bunch of them. Primoz Roglic, who you mentioned, second last year. The one with Jack Haig. That was the result, I believe, of an irresponsible course. That stage, it would be okay in the third week. But on the third day, there's just way too much tension in the Tour de France. And I think it was just an irresponsible course. And that made a huge contribution to the amount of crashes that we saw. Okay, so are we talking irresponsible because of the speed of which they're going and the non-separation? Or, I mean, just explain to our listeners uh, what that the, means. So, okay, so the, the road was too narrow. Yep. It was... There was, it was two white, you know, windy, twisty roads, small little country road where you've still got 180 riders within the peloton yep. and everybody's fresh and they believe they can be at the front. Whereas by the third week, things have calmed down a little bit. The peloton's found its pecking order. We know who's sitting where in terms of the race for the yellow jersey, but there's just too much tension. They knew there were going to be crashes, so much so that the riders before the stage started 
they put in a request that you stop the clock in the race for the yellow jersey at eight kilometres to go. They got no response at all from the race officials. All right, so the fallout's uh, going to continue right there. Who is uh, some of the Aussies? And I know we mentioned about uh, the 10 that started. We're down to, I think, eight now, and we'll see how Clark goes in getting to the start line again for stage four. Uh, the best perform Aussie so far after three stages? Uh, well, it was Jack Haig <laughs> with him to go on stage three. Unfortunately, he's no longer in the race. Matthews is still looking good, potentially. Ben O'Connor got through yesterday. He's looking good. I can't wait to see him on, on stage five. So not tonight, but tomorrow. And Simon Clark is going to keep looking for breakaways to try and finish victory. Good on you, Matty. Appreciate your time always here on Sporting Goss on SEN. And you can see your action tonight. What time is it on the telly tonight, stage four? 8.30. And where are we going? From where to where? Uh that's a good question. I just thought of that. Yeah, I know it's 150 kilometres. I know that much. And it goes from Redon uh, to Forgeray. Oh, of course it does. Good on you, Matty. Appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. <laughs> He's a good man. Caught him on the hop. That doesn't happen very often. Matty Keenan from SBS Cycling. He is the best in the business. And he's always kind enough to give us some time on the Sporting Goss. A bit going on today, let me tell you. Stay with us. We have it all covered on the Sporting Goss. It's 27 past 11. Still to come, Tyson Beatty, star-spangled banter. And Braden Becker, WA golfer who had a taste of victory up there in Broome on the weekend as the golfing tour headed north. Repeating the news, the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers will share a charter flight at 1 o'clock to Melbourne, anticipating both teams will be there for about two weeks. We have learnt that the Fremantle Football Club will take all but five of their squad to Melbourne. Unsure in regards to the West Coast Eagles, just seeking further confirmation on their numbers. If you don't want to know the score of Game 5 of the NBA Western Conference Finals, look away now. Always like saying that. 112, the Clippers. 99, Phoenix. Um, and this is big because this game is in Phoenix. It's at the home court. And they currently come into this leading 3-1. But at the moment, the Clippers are doing it on the road, 112 to 100. But you just never know. You never know. Three minutes to go in the last quarter, 112 to 100. 13, 12, 55. Where are you listening at the moment? Uh, how are you coping? Are you in lockdown? Did you not get away? Are you listening down south? Have your uh, plans for the next few days? I can assure you I had to do a late pickup last night a family member to give them some clarity in regards to what they were going to be doing for the next two or three days in particular before the weekend and what can be played out of Friday midnight, Saturday morning, 12.01. Where are you listening and how has the last few days and uh, last night's announcement of lockdown? But just repeating, Mark McGowan, the Premier, has said there were no further cases, but that doesn't guarantee we won't be having any going forward, of course. 29 after 11, still to come. Star-spangled banter with Tyson Beatty and Matt, Ke- Matt Kennan we've heard from. Braden Becker talking golf as well. Stephen Cornelio needs a fresh start. Footy Classified last night. Let's hear from Kane Corns on Footy Classified before we take the 11.30 news. 
He's a fresh start, Stephen Keneally. I wrote about him in the West Australian. I think Fremantle is an obvious place for him and a destination that would work for both clubs. I, I think it would be best for him and the <laughs> club. If you he... just want to trade everyone. No, I Number don't. one draft picks, Jack Revolt. No, I'm, I'm just thinking you're, you're, saying, to... you're saying fresh starters in without the captain, not uh, another no, club. I think he, he needs to explore going to another club. He wants club. him to go to Fremantle. Kane, he, can, he can't leave GWS now. Why, why not? Well, because he had the biggest opportunity in his life to go to Hawthorne or, or Carlton and he decided to stay. He can't. Yeah, but he can't sign that mega deal, be captain of the club two, and then two leave. Two years ago, things change, injury yeah, it change. It would help the you club fall, if he left. You fall out of favour with the coach. Fresh start, new environment would work exceptionally well for I him. I can't believe I'm hearing this. It would help the club if the captain picked up and left. Well, he's yeah. not going to be the captain next year. Ben Simmons has made a decision and we've been chatting about that all morning. He is not, not going to Tokyo. Doesn't come as a great surprise to this man, Shane Hill, who's been to many Olympics and is a basketball aficionado and a superstar of our game. Shane, what's your first thoughts when you heard the news that Simmons was not going to represent the Boomers? I guess my first reaction is I'm shocked that everyone's so shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I've been saying for months that there has been nothing that has indicated that, that Ben is committed to playing for the Boomers really ever. And um, I think at some stage he'll play for the Boomers. I think it'll be on his bucket list. I think he'll want to go to the Olympics. He'll tick that box. And But when that time comes, it will probably be the time that just suits him. So is it mental or skills that you think is uh, keeping him away from Tokyo? Uh, you know, I think it's a combination of everything. I think right now he's taking a massive hit. Um, he needs to go and do the work. He needs to change his shot. It's broken. We know that, um, and the results show that. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see whether he actually does do it because since high school and since college, we've thought that that was the thing that he was going to improve on that was going to take him to be one of the all-time superstars of the NBA, but he's actually regressed over the last three years because he hasn't made change to his poor technique. Who does he turn to? I mean, I know there's coaches and there's coaches, but who does he turn to to get help in this? Does he go outside of the 76ers? Does he have a, a, a shooting coach? I mean, can you just give us a, a guide on, you know, with you and your vast experience in the game? I mean, does he, is it, does he work on a one-on-one basis? Does he work in a group? Are there more than just Ben Simmons out there who would be changing things up before the next season? Well, I think, you know, he, he wouldn't be having much to do with the 76ers, I wouldn't think. Right. That's done. They haven't treated him overly well. They've treated him as the scapegoat for their failures in, in this series. So I think it would be more his agency and the people that are close to him have to really employ somebody that has the belief and is prepared to put the time in. And I really think it starts with simple one-hand shooting. He needs to change his technique so badly because it is broken. I, I, would, I would actually encourage him to change hands and shoot with his right hand before he keeps the same style as what he's done. He's more chance of starting again to be able to get the right technique and get some sort of success. But it's going to take hours every single day to make that change and create a new habit that gives him the belief to actually shoot the ball from the perimeter because it got to the stage where he just did not want to shoot the ball from outside or even take shots close to the basket Mm. just in case he got fouled because he had no belief. So just take me back. You think he should change shooting hands? Oh, no, I said I would change shooting hands before I would keep the same technique. Gotcha. I think that um, he needs to totally start again. And sometimes it's harder to change an existing technique 
than it is to start again mm. with somebody that, you know, you see him, he's got great skills on both sides of his body. So I think that would actually be easier unless he's committed to go back to the very basics that you teach kids that are eight or nine, starting with the hand out of the ball and, and balancing it and shooting with follow-through and backspin, all of the techniques that right now he just doesn't have on his shot. Shane Heal, our guest on Sporting Goss, we're talking about Ben Simmons. When you go into, and, you know, you have the yips, it's like golf, it's like a, probably having shots for goal in other sports and the like, It will it be quantity of practice or quality of practice or is it as obvious as saying it's got to be a mix of both? Well, I mean, you know, does he go and just shoot, shoot, shoot and just get into a rhythm? But you're not doing it under game pressure and mental pressure and scoreboard pressure, are you? So we're not going to see the, 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 the fruits of his labour until well into an NBA season. Yeah. Well, he, he, the last thing he wants to do is just shoot with the same technique. You know, you, you, he has to stop shooting that way and start again and, and develop the right technique. And it's really difficult to do because you want to, you need to accept change. You need to understand that it's broken. I've got to start again. I'll put time in. And then it does have to happen in an empty gym just with his coach of starting like that, getting the reps up. You're literally getting thousands of shots um, before you get that belief. And then I think you take it to game speed, off the, off the dribble, off the move, off screens. Then you get to one-on-one. Then you start scrimmaging and start using it. And then, then that flows on to, you know, the preseason and, and veterans camp that he'll obviously be part of at another club. So uh, it is a big process. It's a lot of work. Um, you sacrifice a lot of your off-season to be able to go and do that. And um, well, let's just see whether he's prepared to do that work. Does that change the boomers' chances of meddling in Tokyo? Well, I mean, obviously the team would be better with Ben Simmons in it, but, you know, we've never had him. We've always been close to be able to win medals from the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And the last campaign, those guys were so close to being able to win our first ever medal. So we've got such a great culture in the Boomers and we've got so many great leaders with Paddy and Joey and Baines and Daly, all these guys that have committed their off-season every single year to be part of it because they're passionate and they believe in it. So I, I believe that culture, and I think Gorge is the right coach to be able to take this team forward, then they've got as good a chance as what we had you know, in the last campaign without Ben Simmons as well. No doubt. Now, uh, I do watch the basketball show, Shane, online. Very good work by you, may I say. And uh, you Good did... work, Timmy. Good work. No, thank you, Shane. Uh, and, I, and I enjoyed it until you brought out the brooms and talked about sweeping in the NBL finals. I was right. Was oh, I right? Oh, you were right, Shane. And I bow to your greater judgment, great man. But I will say you got a bit of help, courtesy of uh, the injury toll from the Wildcats. Um, but at the end of the day, probably would have made a difference. Do you think United were the best team? Well, I mean, if you put Bryce Cotton in that team, there's no way I was you know, predicting that it would be a sweep. Um, you know, he, he's just an unbelievable player and he would have totally changed the chances of, of the Wildcats. But... You know, that, that Melbourne team was probably paying three times the value in a, in a salary cap form than what the, the team that took the court for the Perth Wildcats. And their effort for the Wildcats and their desire and their toughness of the way they played and the way they've played for a long time, to be honest, you know, the way they structure and their, their culture and all the rest of it, they fought hard and they made every game a contest. And, um, but they were never going to win because they just didn't have enough talent. Was it the most courageous 3-0 grand final defeat we've seen in a very long time in any code of sport, in particular in the NBL? Probably. Um, you know, they again, they just didn't have the people that could score the basketball, so they had to play 
with that sort of toughness and drag the more talented players of United straight back down to their level, really. And uh, and they did it well. And Trev's got the system to be able to do it. Those guys had the belief. Um, you know, they didn't blink an eyelid with, you know, what the scoreboard was. They got down by 16 in the first quarter in Melbourne, but they found a way to be able to come back. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a tough team. Um, I think the biggest questions are, is what's going to happen from here. They've only got three players signed yeah, for man. next season. And we have never, ever seen the Perth Wildcats like this because normally they've had a foundation of six or seven players with Damian Martin and Jesse Wagstaff and Redditch and all these guys that have signed and they've just been able to build. So different times for the Wildcats right now. Very much so. Mitch Norton's name's been linked to the Tassie junk, Jack Jumpers as well. And mind you, Kevin White probably got himself another year. No doubt. I thought Whitey was tough and, you know, he's a role player. They had to step up and play mm. much bigger uh, minutes than would have been expected, but he did it well. Shot the ball the best he's shot in his career. So I've got no doubt he'll get another year. Yeah, good stuff. And he knows his role too and he's really comfortable with that. Before we let you go, Shane, uh, we, we did see about a month ago all the falling out with regards to your daughter, Shiloh. Can you just give us an update, a family update on Shiloh's process and progress over there in the States or where she is in the world? Yeah, yeah, it was obviously pretty disappointing. She was the eighth pick in the draft and went there sort of with a long-term view and uh, she was only there for 22 days and they'd lost five games in a row and uh, they cut their two first-round draft picks. So we were pretty disappointed, obviously, and, um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty emotional for her mm. um, being alone and being 19 in the States and we got her back here and she's done a quarantine and she's just come out now and into another lockdown in New South Wales. So uh, at least she's with family this time. But, uh, yeah, she'll build her spirits back up and her, her confidence back up because... Uh, Certainly tough pill to swallow for such a young kid after, you know, some highs and lows like that. Yeah, well, she got good, great family support through you and your family, mate. So all the very best. I'm sure she will bounce back. Appreciate your time. Uh, oh, who's going to win the NBA title, just quickly? Uh, I hope Phoenix win it, but uh, it's probably more likely the Bucks. All right. Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Sporting Goss here in Perth. Good on you, guys. Good on you, mate. He's a good man, Shane Hill, and he did confidently predict the United would beat the Wildcats, and uh, he, he gave great glowing reports on the Wildcats' performance, and also he gave a, a great analysis on Ben Simmons. That is Shane Hill. He is one of the best critics and best uh, aficionados of the game, and why wouldn't he be? He's one of our finest performers in the green and gold. This is your Sporting Goss. News just in, the Australian Olympic team for Tokyo. Barty, Dimonor, Duckworth, Kyrgios, Milman, Piers, Perez, Saville, Stoza, Tomlanovic. Great news, West Australian Storm Sanders goes across as part of the team as well. Congratulations to West Aussie Storm Sanders. That Aussie team again, Barty, Dimonor, Duckworth, Kyrgios, Milman, Piers, Perez, Sanders, Saville, Stoza, Tomlanovic. Take a twist now and liven things up with a regular on Tuesday. Let's get some Star Spangled Banter into you. Ah, Star Spangled Banter time and press for time today. Lots going on in his working world, and that is Tyson Beatty who joins us. Now, Tyson, a big part of our show so far has been Ben Simmons' withdrawal from the Olympic Games. 
Yeah, it got something. It's it's really disappointing for Australian basketball fans that we won't have Ben Simmons part of the Olympic squad. I think everyone was looking forward to seeing what he could do, and it could have been a bit of redemption as well for all the haters out there and all the critics. Um, but withdrawing from the Olympic squad, he's made that decision. He wants to work and focus on his individual skill development. That was the words uh, that he used. So. Um, look, I, I just I just feel a sense of disappointment, and I think most basketball fans would, would think the same thing from Australia. Mm, I think the Australian basketball fans are uh, almost at the end of their tether with Ben. I think they've defended him long enough, and they thought they might get some repayment in Tokyo. What are your thoughts on that? Well, hold on. You, you, you're speaking for all Australian basketball community, many who... You know, grew up loving this kid who's come through the development systems you know, in, in high school here, moved over and was yeah. part of a, a basketball academy in the yeah. States. And then obviously the number one draft pick. I mean, we've, we've ridden the roller coaster with him. Yeah. I think most people support him, don't they, Goss? Nah, no, I don't think they do. But anyway, we'll beg to differ there, um, Tyson. Let's go to the NBA. He's not part of it because uh, he, he flunked uh, last week. And there is a couple of teams still going, of course, Suns and Clippers. Yeah, obviously the the Suns and Clippers uh, series is a, is a fascinating one currently going on at the moment. Um, the Phoenix Suns looking to to progress to the NBA Conference Finals, and they've got a great opportunity with with their big lead at the moment in that series. You know, it's interesting that that, that finals droughts in the NBA. I'm always fascinated by teams that that have big long droughts of making Super Bowls, NBA Finals, AFL Grand Finals, all that sort of stuff. The Phoenix Suns, guys, the Phoenix Suns are one of the longest droughts uh, to, to make the, the uh, NBA Finals way back in 1993, 28 seasons. But some of the other teams on this list, uh, the LA Clippers, 51 seasons, what? they've never made the NBA Finals. That's, a That's long how long they've been time. in the conference, 51 years. I'll bear it for secure to remember, yeah. mate. <laughs> I know what droughts are all about. Sorry about that. I was one. I was one when the last one a flag. Uh, interesting enough, there I, you go. I, I was seeing somewhere that it was. Uh, the 18th game or something like that in 38 nights for the Clippers. And that includes a lot of travel. They don't get much rest, do they? No, and particularly if you're playing long series. If you're playing seven-game series, then you're rolling into the next one very, very quickly. So if you sweep in a series, you've got that advantage of rest mm-hmm. and being able to recover for the next one. You talk about just just continuing on this, this drought, uh, the NBA drought uh, uh, finals appearance. The um, Milwaukee Bucks are playing the uh, Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, they, they, these two teams are two of the top four for the longest droughts in NBA Finals appearance history. The Hawks, I think we talked about this last week, their last and only appearance was in 1961, wow. where they lost to the Boston Celtics in seven games. They were actually known as the St. Louis Hawks back then, so they moved to Atlanta after that time. They've never been to a final series as the Atlanta Hawks. And then the Milwaukee Bucks, 1974, the last time they went to uh, they went to an NBA final series, they also lost that one to the Boston Celtics. And remember, we said last week, the Bucks are the only one that have actually won a title mm. of these last four remaining in the uh, conference final. So it's one of those weird years where we don't have one of these glamorous star teams, a dynasty team. And, uh, you know, for, for, the, for the people out there that love a drought breaker, love a fairy tale, this is the, the season for you. I think it gives us renewed interest, to be brutally honest. It's nice that we don't have the same old, same olds going around. Trey Young, who is just outstanding, he can bomb it from another postcode. He's got an injured ankle. What's the latest there? Yeah, so uh, the yesterday's game between the Milwaukee Bucks and um, the Atlanta Hawks went down to the wire, but the Bucks pulled away at the end. Uh, Middleton was fantastic uh, dominating that game for the Bucks and ended up winning by 11 points. So it's it, it, what what happened in that game that was interesting though. Trey Young stepped back and twisted his ankle on a referee goss. Oh. This was in the third term and this is when the game was pretty tight 
and the Hawks looked like they were going to be in control of the game heading into into the stretch. He twists his ankle and basically goes cold for the rest of the game. He he is now getting an MRI on that ankle, and his status is is uncertain for the rest of the series. No young, no chance that they can uh, they can progress to the the uh, NBA finals. I would think, Goss. There's a new coach for the Trailblazers. Yeah, the uh, the new coach for the Trailblazers, Chauncey Billups. He's a former five-time All-Star for the Detroit Pistons, NBA Finals MVP back in 2004, has been the Clippers' defensive coach. Look, there'll be a bit of pressure on him because he's replacing a guy who made eight consecutive playoff series but have been bundled out uh, at various stages of those playoff series each time. So they're looking for a coach that can get them over the hump. They're looking for one that can actually win a title in Portland, and uh, they hope that Chauncey Billups is their man. All righty. And what about in the Major League Baseball, including our man Liam Hendricks, the West Aussie? Yeah, yeah, Liam Hendricks, I'd like to bring this up. So he, he just recorded his 20th save of um, the season in the Major League Baseball. So a save for those that people that don't know is when your team is leading in baseball, you send in a closer that will go in there and secure that victory in the last inning or two. So they're, they're very specialised with their pitches. You, know, you can go in for that just one inning. That might be your only, your only role in the game. And he is kind of considered like an ice man in baseball. You know, who, who can go in there, there's pressure to, to save the game, and he makes the save. 20th save for him. He's had 80 over the course of his career, but 20 this season. He's been around for about 11 years. So he is having a really good year, and he's backing up that massive contract he got in the offseason. Star Spangled Banter, we do love it every Tuesday with our man Tyson Beatty. We'll do it again next week. On you, guys. Anyway, there's Tyson Beatty. And did he? What about the call he did on the weekend with Swan Districts beating Subiaco? He nailed that one, and you heard that here on SENW. Welcome back. We're coming up to midday. Don't forget, 5 o'clock, Peter Vlahos with Drive. And he'll have everything that is breaking, of course, in the world of the COVID world we're in right now. And sport in general, not just AFL, but AFL taking a lot of the headlines. Just repeating the news that in one hour's time, a chartered flight will head out of Perth with the Eagles and Dockers on board. I'm led to believe that all but five Dockers squad players will be going across to Victoria they are anticipating one, two weeks at the most, but preparing for a possible four-week stint. So about a month over there, but that will be a moving feast, no doubt. And, of course, the West Coast Eagles, are, well, their waffle team is in a bit of form. They were planning to play South Fremantle, as we spoke to Hayden Schloith earlier in the show. What will they be left behind with? So uh, keep an eye on that one. The waffle, I'm sure, will be working through that process as we speak. Courtesy of Alex, who pushes our buttons here. Does he ever push our buttons? Oh, does he ever? Oh. Anyway, he says Clippers take game five, which they have in the NBA, aiming to become the first ever team to come back from three 2 nil deficits in the playoffs. The Suns lead the series 3-2. Tomorrow, poor old Braden Becker, eh, the golfer, he'll, uh, he'll have retired from the tour by the time we get his interview to air, but... There's been breaking news, and I'm sure young Braden will understand that. Brianna Throssell talking all things Olympics. Racing will continue under this COVID world, racing and trialling and training, so I can confirm that we will have a guest or two from the racing world. Also cricket. The Australians are over in the West Indies, or we'll check in on the WACA as well. And we might be able to take uh, something out of the East. We'll speak to the Eagles and the Dockers from Melbourne and try and get how they're coping with their move to Victoria. It is a crazy world. Stay calm, everyone. We'll get there. No new cases yet. We'll find out more, I'm sure. Keep an ear out on SEN. Keep an ear out on all things on our socials as well. Thanks for your company. Well done, Alex.
Well done, Chris. We did well, boys. Two good hours. We kept everyone updated. That's the main thing. We'll be back on air tomorrow from 10 Sporting Goss. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91